Chapter Seventeen of Arsène Lupin by Maurice Leblanc. Translated by Edgar Jepson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen: Sonia's Escape. One of Monsieur Fourmy's innocence," said Guerchard, turning to the Duke. "The chalk," said the Duke. "Is it the same chalk?" "It's blue," said Guerchard, holding it out the same as that of the signatures on the walls add that fact to the woman's sudden realization of what she was doing and you'll see that they were written with it it is rather a surprise said the duke to look at her you would think that she was the most honest woman in the world huh. you don't know lupin your grace said guerchard he can do anything with women and they'll do anything for him and what's more as far as i can see it doesn't make a scrap of difference whether they're honest or not the fair-haired lady i was telling you about was probably an honest woman ganimard is sure of it we should have found out long ago who she was if she had been a wrong one and ganimard also swears that when he arrested lupin on board the provence some woman some ordinary honest woman among the passengers carried away lady garland's jewels which he had stolen and was bringing to america and along with them a matter of eight hundred pounds which he had stolen from a fellow passenger on the voyage the power of fascination which some men exercise on women is one of those mysteries which science should investigate before it does anything else said the duke in a reflective tone now i come to think of it i had much better have spent my time on that investigation than on that tedious journey to the south pole all the same i'm deucedly sorry for that woman victoire she looks such a good soul guerchard shrugged his shoulders the prisons are full of good souls he said with cynical wisdom born of experience they get caught so much more often than the bad it seems rather mean of lupin to make use of women like this and get them into trouble said the duke but he doesn't said guerchard quickly at least he hasn't up to now this victoire is the first we've caught i look on it as a good omen he walked across the room picked up his cloak and took a card-case from the inner pocket of it if you don't mind your grace i want you to show this permit to my men who are keeping the door whenever you go out of the house it's just a formality but i attach considerable importance to it for i really ought not to make exceptions in favor of any one i have two men at the door and they have orders to let nobody out without my written permission of course monsieur gournay martin's guests are different bonavant has orders to pass them out and if your grace doesn't mind it will help me if you carry a permit no one else will dream of complaining of having to do so oh i don't mind if it's of any help to you said the duke cheerfully thank you said guerchard and he wrote on his card and handed it to the duke the duke took it and looked at it on it was written pass the duke of charmas j guerchard it's quite military said the duke putting the card into his waistcoat pocket there came a knock at the door and a tall thin bearded man came into the room ha 
Do you see at last? What news? cried Gersha. Diazi saluted. I've learned that a motor van was waiting outside the next house, in the side street, he said. At what time? said Gersha. Between four and five in the morning, said Yuzi. Who saw it? said Gersha. A scavenger. He thinks that it was nearly five o'clock when the van drove off. Between four and five, nearly five. Then they filled up the opening before they loaded the van. I thought they would said Gershah thoughtfully. Anything else? A few minutes after the van had gone, a man in motoring dress came out of the house, said Yuzi. In motoring dress? said Gershah quickly. Yes, and a little way from the house he threw away his cigarette. The scavenger thought the whole business a little queer, and he picked up the cigarette and kept it. Here it is. He handed it to Gershah, whose eyes scanned it carelessly, and then glued themselves to it. A gold-tipped cigarette. Mark Mercedes. Why, your grace, this is one of your cigarettes. But this is incredible, cried the duke. Not at all, said Gersha. It's merely another link in the chain. I've no doubt you have some of these cigarettes at Charmas. Oh, yes, I've had a box on most of the tables, said the duke. Well, there you are, said Gersha. Oh, I see what you're driving at said the duke. You mean that one of the Charolais must have taken a box? Well, we know that they'd hardly stick at a box of cigarettes, said Gershah. Yes, but I thought, said the duke, and he paused. You thought what? said Gershah. Then Lupin, since it was Lupin who managed the business last night, since you found those salvias in the house next door. Then Lupin came from Chamras. Evidently, said Gersha. And Lupin is one of the Charolais. Oh, that's another matter, said Gersha. But it's certain, absolutely certain, said the Duke. We have the connecting links, the salvias, the cigarette. It looks very like it. You're pretty quick on a scent, I must say, said Gersha. What a detective you would have made. Only, nothing is certain. But it is. Whatever more do you want? Was he at Chamahas yesterday, or was he not? Did he? Or did he not arrange the theft of the motor cars? Certainly he did. But he himself might have remained in the background all the while, said Gersha. In what shape? Under what mask? By Jove! I should like to see this fellow, said the Duke. We shall see him tonight said Gersha. Tonight? said the Duke. Of course we shall, for he will come to steal the coronet between a quarter to twelve and midnight, said Gersha. Never, said the Duke. You don't really believe that you'll have the cheek to attempt such a mad act? Huh, you don't know this man, your grace. His extraordinary mixture of coolness and audacity. It's the danger that attracts him. He throws himself into the fire, and he doesn't get burned. For the last ten years I've been saying to myself, here we are, this time I've got him. At last I'm going to nab him. But I've said that day after day, said Gersha, and he paused. Well, said the Duke. Well, 
The days pass, and I never nab him. Oh, he's thick, I tell you. He's a joker. He's a regular artist. He ground his teeth. The damn thief. The duke looked at him and said slowly, Then you think that tonight, Lupin? You follow the scent with me, your grace. Gachard interrupted quickly and vehemently. We've picked up each clue together. You've almost seen this man at work. You've understood him. Isn't a man like this, I ask you, capable of anything? He is, said the Duke with conviction. Well then, said Gershaw. Perhaps you're right, said the Duke. Gershaw turned to Duzy and said, in a quieter voice, and when the scavenger had picked up the cigarette, did he follow the motorist? Yes, he followed him for about a hundred yards. He went down into Suro Street and turned westwards. Then a motor car came along. He got into it and went off. What kind of a motor car? said Gersha. A big car and dark red in color, said Duzy. The limousine! cried the Duke. That's all I've got so far, sir, said Duzy. Well, off you go, said Gersha. Now that you've got started. You'll probably get something else before very long. Duzy saluted and went. Things are beginning to move, said Gershaw cheerfully. First Victoire, and now this motor van. They are indeed, said the Duke. After all, it ought not to be very difficult to trace that motor van, said Gershaw in a musing tone. At any rate, its movements ought to be easy enough to follow up till about six. Then, of course, there will be a good many others about delivering goods. You seem to have all the possible information you can want at your finger ends, said the Duke in an admiring tone. I suppose I know the life of Paris as well as anybody, said Gershaw. They were silent for a while. Then Germain's maid, Irma, came into the room and said, If you please, Your Grace, Mademoiselle Krichnov would like to speak to you for a moment. Oh? Where is she? said the Duke. She's in her room, Your Grace. Oh, very well, I'll go up to her, said the Duke. I can speak to her in the library. He rose and was going towards the door, when Gershaw stepped forward, barring his way, and said, No, Your Grace. No? Why? said the Duke haughtily. I beg you will wait a minute or two till I've had a word with you, said Gershaw, and he drew a folded sheet of paper from his pocket and held it up. The duke looked at Gershaw's face, and he looked at the paper in his hand. Then he said, Oh, very well. And turning to Irma, he added quietly, Tell Mademoiselle Krichnov that I'm in the drawing room. Yes, Your Grace, in the drawing room, said Irma, and she turned to go. Yes, and say that I shall be engaged for the next five minutes. The next five minutes, do you understand? said the duke. Yes, Your Grace, said Irma and she went out of the door. "'Ask Mademoiselle Krichnov to put on her hat and cloak,' said Gershaw. "'Yes, sir,' said Irma, and she went. The duke turned sharply on Gershaw and said, "'Now, why on earth? I don't understand.' "'I got this from Monsieur Fourmy,' said Gershaw, holding up the paper. "'Well,' said the duke, "'what is it?' "'It's a warrant, Your Grace,' said Gershaw. "'What?' A warrant? 
not for the arrest of mademoiselle kretchenoff yes your grace oh come it's impossible said the duke you're never going to arrest that child i am indeed said guerchat her examination this afternoon was in the highest degree unsatisfactory her answers were embarrassed contradictory and in every way suspicious and you've made up your mind to arrest her said the duke slowly knitting his brow in anxious thought i have indeed said guerchat and i'm going to do it now the prison van ought to be waiting at the door he looked at his watch she and victoire can go together so you're going to arrest her you're going to arrest her said the duke thoughtfully and he took a step or two up and down the room still thinking hard well you understand the position don't you your grace said guerchat in a tone of apology believe me that personally i've no animosity against mademoiselle kretchenoff in fact the child attracts me yes said the duke softly in a musing tone she has the air of a child who has lost its way lost its way in life and that poor little hiding-place she found that rolled-up handkerchief thrown down in the corner of the little room in the house next door it was absolutely absurd what a handkerchief cried guerchat with an air of sudden utter surprise the child's clumsiness is positively pitiful said the duke what was in the handkerchief the pearls of the pendant cried guerchat yes i suppose you knew all about it of course monsieur fonlier left word for you said the duke with an air of surprise at the ignorance of the detective no i've heard nothing about it cried guerchat he didn't leave word for you said the duke in a tone of greater surprise oh well i dare say that he thought to-morrow would do of course you were out of the house when he found it she must have slipped out of her room soon after you went he found a handkerchief belonging to mademoiselle kretchenoff where is it cried guerchat Monsieur Fourier took the pearls, but he left the handkerchief. I suppose it's in the corner where he found it, said the duke. He left the handkerchief, cried Guerchat. If that isn't just like the fool, he ought to keep hens. It's all he's fit for. He ran to the fireplace, seized the lantern, and began lighting it. Where is the handkerchief? he cried. In the left-hand corner of the little room on the right, on the second floor, but... If you're going to arrest Mademoiselle Kitchenov, why are you bothering about the handkerchief? It can't be of any importance, said the Duke. I beg your pardon, said Guerchat, but it is. But why? said the Duke. I was arresting Mademoiselle Kitchenov all right, because I had a very strong presumption of her guilt. But I hadn't the slightest proof of it, said Guerchat. What? cried the Duke, in a horrified tone. Nope, you've just given me the proof and since she was able to hide the pearls in the house next door she knew the road which led to it therefore she's an accomplice said guerchat in a triumphant tone what do you think that too cried the duke good heavens and it's me it's my senselessness it's my fault that you've got your proof 
spoke in a tone of acute distress. It was your duty to give it to me, said Gershach sternly, and he began to mount the steps. Shall I come with you? I know where the handkerchief is, said the duke quickly. No, thank you, Your Grace, said Gershach. I prefer to go alone. You'd better let me help you, said the duke. No, Your Grace, said Gershach firmly. I must really insist, said the duke. No, 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 said Gershach vehemently, with stern decision. It's no use your insisting, Your Grace. I prefer to go alone. I shall only be gone a minute or two. Just as you like, said the duke stiffly. The legs of Gershach disappeared up the steps. The duke stood listening with all his ears. Directly, he heard the sound of Gershach's heels on the floor. When he dropped from the chimney-piece of the next room, he went swiftly to the door, opened it, and went out. Bonavent was sitting on the chair on which the young policeman had sat during the afternoon. Sonia, in her hat and cloak, was halfway down the stairs. The duke put his head inside the drawing-room door, and sat to the empty room. "'Here's Mademoiselle Kitchenoff, Monsieur Gershat. He held open the door. Sonia came down the stairs, and went through it. The duke followed her into the drawing-room, and shut the door. "'There's not a moment to lose,' he said in a low voice. "'Oh, what is it, Your Grace?' said Sonia anxiously. "'Gershah has a warrant for your arrest.' "'Then I'm lost!' cried Sonia, in a panic-stricken voice. "'No, you're not. You must go, at once,' said the duke. "'But how can I go? No one can get out of the house. Monsieur Gershah won't let them,' cried Sonia, panic-stricken. We can get over that, said the duke. He ran to Gershah's cloak, took the card case from the inner pocket, went to the writing table and sat down. He took from his waistcoat pocket the permit which Gershah had given him and a pencil. Then he took a card from the card case, set the permit on the table before him, and began to imitate Gershah's handwriting with an amazing exactness. He wrote on the card, Pass Mademoiselle Krichnov, J. Gershah. Sonia stood by his side, panting quickly with fear, and watched him do it. He had scarcely finished the last stroke when they heard a noise on the other side of the opening into the empty house. The duke looked at the fireplace, and his teeth bared in an expression of cold ferocity. He rose with clenched fists and took a step towards the fireplace. "'Your Grace, Your Grace,' called the voice of Gershah. "'What is it?' answered the Duke quietly. "'I can't see any handkerchief,' said Gershah. "'Didn't you say it was in the left-hand corner of the little room on the right?' "'I told you you'd better let me come with you and find it,' said the Duke, in a tone of triumph. "'It's in the right-hand corner of the little room on the left.' "'I could have sworn you said the little room on the right.' said Gershah. They heard his footfalls die away. Now, you must get out of the house quickly, said the duke. Show this card to the detectives at the door, and they'll pass you without a word. He pressed the card into her hand. But, but, this card? stammered Sonia. There's no time to lose, said the duke. But this is madness, said Sonia. When Gershah finds out about this card, that you, you, you... There's no need to bother about that, interrupted the duke quickly. Where are you going to? A, a little hotel near the star. 
I've forgotten the name of it, said Sonia. But this card. Has it a telephone? said the Duke. Yes, number 555 Central, said Sonia. If I haven't telephoned to you before half past eight tomorrow morning, come straight to my house, said the Duke, scribbling the telephone number on his shirt cuff. Yes, yes, said Sonia. But this card? When Gershaw knows, when he discovers, oh, I can't let you get into trouble for me. I shan't, but go, go, said the Duke, and he slipped his right arm round her and drew her to the door. Oh, how good you are to me, said Sonia softly. The Duke's other arm went round her. He drew her to him, and their lips met. He loosed her and opened the door, saying loudly, You're sure you won't have a cab, Mademoiselle Kirchnoff? No, no, thank you, your grace. Good night, said Sonia, and she went through the door with a transfigured face. End of chapter 17